Hello, hello, this is Tony at Beast Coast 21 on Twitter. And if you didn't check out the trailer for this show, Beast Coast Radio, check it out. It's like 47 seconds, and I basically just say who I am, why I'm doing this, all the other bullshit. But starting out now, I can finally talk about the Bruins 2021 2022. Starting lineup I projected here. I do a little analyzations for every single offensive and defensive player who are either hopeful or going to make the team. Like they got the obvious Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak line, but then we also have the hopefuls like Jack Studnika, Fabian Lysel, and more. Um, and to start things off, you know, I think we're going to have to go with the top line, the things that don't need changing. Um, starting it with Patrice Bergeron, second year's captain. I am very excited to see him this year. You know, we're going to need some more leadership with the leaving of David Krejci. And, you know, it seems like he is also uh, thinking that Krejci's going to come back. But we, we'll talk about that later. Um, for Bergeron, he had 48 points in 54 games last year. Very good, very good for someone his age, too. Helps when you're paired with with, them, with probably the best uh, left winger last year, um, Brad Marchand. Definitely had a you know case if Connor McDavid hadn't scored a hundred points. Um, definitely had a case at uh, you know the MVP. Uh, Brad Marchand. Wow, like you look at his WAR wins above replacement stats from last year, and it was his best ever. Like quite literally, couldn't be stopped. Couldn't be stopped. He had 69 points in 53 games. It was definitely the most points per games he had in a season. You know, he was very healthy the entire year, which definitely helped. You know, 53 games, well, I think, like, two or three off of playing the entire season last year. And he got fifth in heart voting. So, you know, it just shows, you know, how good he actually is, and he's going to be back. Um, definitely one of the things that, you know, you can touch on quick, but he's going to be one of the easy, one of the be- easily the best players on the Spurs team and it's nothing no, no surprise there you know and then moving ahead on that first line we have David Posternock David Posternock oh my god I remember like seeing this video oh this video of him at a Czech Republic game just going like screaming his head off over the summer and there's actually a, he jumps down from like this whole like ledge and looks like he actually hurt his ankle for a second little heart stopping because you know you don't get the info from out there but it looks like he's fine um oh my gosh and the video of him shooting an absolute piss missile playing uh whatever street hockey it was for the check check out that video if you haven't oh it's hilarious i it looks almost like a professional league too like i don't know what the hell that guy gets into like it's it just it just posture knock shit like you know you got Marshawn. he's gonna be hunting moose or deer or whatever all off season and then you got Bergeron, who, you know, you're not going to hear much from him because he's probably just, he's just a family guy. He's, you know, the dad of the line. He's probably just with the family, laying low. Marshawn's just, like, hunting big old moose, and then Postonac's just doing crazy shit. Oh, man. Anyways, moving on down. Oh, we're starting off with the offense first, obviously, um, because that's where we, you know, got to get the most interesting details to look forward to. Starting with Charlie Coil, Chuckles Coil. Oof. He is currently who I think will start out as the second line center. 
as it progresses through the season, who knows? Because he's coming off a really bad year after getting a really big contract. And don't get me wrong, I love the guy. You know, he's uh, coming off an injury. Definitely looked a lot slower out there last year compared to, you know, a year or two years ago. And he's saying that he's healthy for the first time in two years. It's what he's, it's what he's saying. Um, we're definitely hoping for an improvement of play or else he's going to be bumped back down to third line or fourth, probably not fourth line. But, you know, I just, this is a role that I don't think I could have seen him filling in last year. And I definitely wasn't thinking about Krejci leaving last year. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, it's, you know, the best we got, but is this really the best we got? Uh, last year he played, to be fair, with Nick Ritchie, uh, my favorite player of all time, Nick Ritchie, um, who, you know, just big lug slow out there, and then DeBrusque, who definitely looked like he had also lost an edge too. So maybe I hurt Charlie Coyle playing with some slower subpar wingers. Not to, you know, take anything away from DeBrusque, he just also didn't look like himself, looked he didn't look like he had the energy he usually had last year. But, you know, maybe, you know, you put him up there with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith, two buzzsaws, and all of a sudden Charlie Coyle might be, you know, what we saw two, three years ago, this potential. So hopefully that knee stays good this year. And, you know, we're all hoping for the best for Charlie Coyle. He's playing with Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall coming off 33 points. In 53 games, not too great. But then you look at his stats with the Bruins; it was 14 goals and six—I mean, 14 points in 16 games. He had eight of his 10 goals in the 16 games with the Bruins. He definitely filled that perfect left winger slot that had been previously filled by Nick Ritchie somehow in the second line. But he—he he has a great second line role, Taylor Hall. I mean, not all the pressure, not all the weight, definitely not all the weight is on his shoulders this year. And you know, you look at it. He's one of those guys that's just going to have that energy throughout the season. He's going to be picking up that second line when the first line isn't there. Maybe we lose a guy, he'll be stepping up, you know. He's definitely someone that I could see making a huge difference on this team throughout the regular season. And something that we were clearly missing last year. You look back at it before the trade deadline and the Bruins had fourth place and the Rangers were coming up hot. The Bruins had actually just lost 11 to like one or something crazy to the Capitals when we got them. And, you know, the amount, of, the amount of difference he made on this team, like, you know, we ended up moving up a spot, getting third place, and faltering just at the, semi, uh, the semis. But still, Taylor Hall definitely made a huge difference on this team, and it's definitely going to make a difference as he bl blends and molds in this second-line role here. And moving right along with his right winger, Craig Smith, who actually is coming off a pretty good year. Looking at these stats, I was... Definitely a little surprised. Uh, 32 points in 54 games, and I, you know, if you'd asked me, I would have said like it was in the mid 20s or something. Very impressed. I actually do remember he scored a hattie. Uh, it was an empty net goal that got him the head, but he did score a hat trick. It's you know, this is Craig Smith, a guy that like I didn't even really know when we signed him you know, a year ago. I definitely love him on the second line role throughout the year. Um, I don't know I definitely don't see anyone who's really challenging for that second line spot now after, you know, Craig Smith's year last year. He totally made a difference. Um, scored that overtime winner against Washington. That was good stuff. Uh, yeah, he's he's one of those guys, him and Taylor Hall, that are just, you know, I just expect them to be there. Same thing with the first line and those two. These are like our five, like, cemented guys, and then everything else I feel like gets moved around, you know? So looking down to the third line, 
This is someone who I see running the third line now. Nick Foligno, new signing. He's a veteran presence. He'll probably get the A. Um, and he's definitely there to fill in this void that's kind of been created by Krejci leaving. Uh, you know, Krejci was, was an assistant captain for, what, like six or seven years. So Nick Foligno stepping in, former captain of the Blue... The longest tenured captain of the Blue Jackets. Um, and I imagine... Uh, Nick Foligno also replaces like a top line winger. Like I, I don't imagine they bring up like Taylor Hall. Like I, like I like I said, people that are cemented there, I don't feel like they're moving unless they get injured, obviously. So if like Brad Marchand goes down or even Pasternak, I could see Nick Foligno jumping up there. You know, I think they'd work well together. I think it's something you could could see. And then on the other hand, at the third line, you know, he'll definitely be making a difference. You know, he's coming off 20 points in 49 games, but like that's not like he fell off. You know, that's a standard year for Nick Foligno. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna be hard hitting. He's gonna be good presence out there. He's not gonna, you know, blend in. It's not gonna be like David Backus. How? Hopefully not like David Backus. Jeez, when how he would just get lost out there for what seemed like, you know, minutes and minutes at a time. Like they only really. <laughs> dude, I'm going on a tangent now. I don't really. Who gives a fuck? Hey, fucking David Backus. Jesus, the only year David Backus made a difference was that first year. He actually wasn't too bad. But then he didn't show up in the playoffs. He scored that one. I think, he, no, he didn't even score. He hit the post. Uh, I don't even think he had a playoff goal against that Senators in the Senators series. And then you just never heard from him. And there's still people to this day who will say that David Backus should have been out there in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals 2019. Like, Jesus, people got to get over. People do not remember how bad this guy was in 2019. We didn't even get to play him in 2020, and we traded him for nothing because he was so bad. Oh, that guy aged like, like a fly. Jeez. Okay, again, back to the third line. Third line, third line, third line. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Jake DeBrusque. Oh, who doesn't love Jake DeBrusque? Oh, God. I wrote, prove it or lose it. Um, I don't see that much potential for... Like, the ceiling, It's it, if you'd asked me two years ago, the ceiling would be to the fucking stratosphere. Now the ceiling's like, alright, like, hopefully he'll score, like, you know, more than, like, 15 goals, which would be nice in an 81-game year. You know, he's coming off five goals in 41 games. This is, you know, a first-round first draft pick. It's not lived up to the potential. It's just one of those things where, like, it gets sadder and sadder. You know, it's like, uh, Jake DeBrusque. You know, but then you, you can only root for the guy. I mean, he scored a couple goals in the playoffs for us this year, which was good. But, you know, then I just didn't see him out there at all, you know. Wasn't really making a difference. I'd say he made even more noise in, like, August 2020. The, uh, the bubble playoffs than he did last year in the playoffs so uh, he hasn't really shown any growth he even played with Taylor Hall and Krejci you know for a bit remember when Craig Smith got knocked out for a couple of games like I think that was against the Islanders he didn't make that much of a role so yeah just probably still be mucking it up on the third line maybe fourth line you know but I just how many times can Cassidy you know bench the guy be like, hey, we want to see some more, some more play, healthy scratch, a couple times last year, and then you know you just don't see that difference. Moving right along, um, 
still hanging around the third line here, Eric Halla. I think he'll be a third line fit. He's very fast is what I'm uh, hearing. Or not hearing. You think I got some insiders? I follow Connor Ryan on Twitter. That's my insider. <laughs> he said he looked really fast, though. Um, he was part of that... Uh, I think uh, I think he was part of the expansion draft team for the Knights. I'm not sure. I know Tom McNosick was. But anyways, he, he looked pretty good in the playoff games for the Knights, I thought. Um, he's put up 21 points in 51 games. Bottom six role, but he's, you know, that's his role. It's a bottom six, and he's going to, you know, he's going to be there. Um, he's a proven player at 30 years old. And, you know, I think he'll be a consistent starter. Um... I could see him centering that third line. Uh, that's probably what I imagine. Maybe left wing, and then I don't know who would pop in the center there, though. So that's the thing. You got Felino, DeBrusque, and Holland. It's like, is Holland going to be the one that converts the center? Even though he'd probably be more natural on the left wing, but uh, probably probably see Holland um, centering that line. I wouldn't be too surprised. Uh, you know, Bruins, we've rotated wingers in the center before in the bottom six. It's nothing. Cassidy isn't afraid of doing. And speaking of wingers in the bottom six, we have Thomas Nosek, 18 points in 31 games for the Knights last year. He's part of that expansion draft team. And he's really, he's a real mucker. He's going to be one of my favorite players. I think he was brought in to replace Sean Corrali, honestly. Um, someone that's, you know, except he's not coming off an awful year. <laughs> you know, I, I love Sean Corrali. going to miss him. Definitely someone that needs to have his role filled, and Thomas Nosek is that guy. Uh, you know, he's a hard four checker. Definitely a good um, depth player in an injury event. Probably better than what Sean Corrali would have done for us. You know, Sean Corrali, you can really move him off that fourth line. I feel like Thomas Nosek, you know, might be a little more versatile. Not like, you know, definitely not this. I just mean, like, you can move him up to the third line, and it won't be, like, as much of a disaster as the Coyle Richie. Corrali line <laughs> that we had last year for a little bit. God, that, that was terrible. And my, like, my, like, oh, I was blind to it because Nick Ritchie and Sean Corrali were on the same line. And I was like, this is going to be the greatest line of all time. And I was just blind to it. They were off. They were terrible together. Corrali was, you know, underperforming. And Ritchie just, <laughs> you gotta love Nick Ritchie. He's just a lug out there. Um,. Already, yeah, so but I do think Thomas Nosek um, has a little more versatility than those two, and it's definitely a good signing for the Bruins. And moving right along, we got Chris Wagner. Just got married this summer. That's like the first thing that I wrote down because that video of Tory Crew dancing on Charlie McAvoy's story was hilarious. He <laughs> had zero points in 11 playoff games, so. Um. Yeah, but I can't I can't hate the Walpole product, Chris Wagner. He had five points in forty one games, but you know he's gonna he's gonna work hard out there. He's gonna be blocking shots. He's a four only a fourth line role, not really versatile. One year left on his contract, I don't see him getting the re sign. Maybe for a year, I don't know. He looked really bad last year, like really bad. He spoke of like anxiety problems that he had, um you know, during the cap series saying it was really getting to him. I, I could see that, you know. It does get stressful being a pro hockey player, I'm sure. But, you know, you look at it. Chris Wagner, he might not be that it. I don't even... I'm not even sure if he cracks the starting lineup, honestly. 
And uh, it just seems like, you know, you got someone like Trent Frederick and Curtis Lazar. They just have more energy than the guy. I mean, they're a little quicker, a little bigger. We love Chris Wagner here, but I don't I don't see him playing more than, like, 40 games this year. Uh, and that's not, like, assuming injury. That's just assuming, like, he's going to be stepping in rather than being, you know, having people stepping in for him. And moving along, that probably fourth-line role is Trent Frederick. Um, Trent Frederick did not play any playoff games last year. So I assume this is, you know, him getting prepared for a bigger role. He's a high-energy player. He definitely made an impact on day one with um, P.K. Subban. Oh, my gosh, that was hilarious. His workout video comments. Uh, Trent Frederick's a guy that you love, but also, you know, he's not gonna be putting up those points like last year i'd say like one of our biggest problems was like having a fourth line where you have all these guys that you love like sean corrali trent frederick you know subbing in and out chris wagner curtis lazar later in the year and none of them got points <laughs> like and you don't expect that from your fourth line but you look back to like the 2019 run and it's like you had corrali wagner and nola chari and they were actually like scoring and putting up points like I think Sean Corrali had like 10 points in 20 playoff games that year. Someone check me on Jamie, check me on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you look at Trent Frederick, and it's like, okay, we're, like, we want you to play a bigger role, but you need to, like, you know, put up more points than, like, that, what, what do you have, one assist? <laughs> like, he's got to do a little bit more than that. Uh, but we'll see. Um... I wrote down he did have 33 points in 33 games for Wisconsin in 2016-2017. So, you know, the potential is kind of there. I mean, like, for a guy that, like, we've only been exclusively playing as, like, a fourth-line mucker, like, this guy can actually maybe, you know, be a little bit more of, like, a Milan Lucic type guy. Uh, not that, like, I can totally compare him to that sort of left-wing style, but, I mean, he's... He's got a little scoring potential. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Uh, Joe Haggerty's probably ripping me a new one. Just kidding. He doesn't know who I am. Um, alrighty, moving right along to Curtis Lazar. Just touched on him. Like I said, you know, high energy, forechecking, fourth line, very few points. Like, he had 13 points, better than Trent Frederick. Um, I'm not sure how many games, probably in like 40s, 50s. So he had only four points with us, two goals, two assists, and I'm pretty sure he did not have any in the playoffs. Another thing, we had no fourth-line production in the playoffs, because why would we ever? Um, yeah, Curtis Lazar, though, I do expect to make the starting lineup because he looked pretty good with us as far as filling in that fourth-line role. Just got to, you know, maybe see some more offensive production, and that'll come, I think, with the way that Curtis Lazar plays. He's very fast, like, you know, he's a lateral skater. Um, did I say that right? No, up and down. He's not a lateral skater. But he's oh, north south. He's a north south skater. He's very fast um, in some ways, but like he's not going to like get around a guy. You know, He's going to get down. <laughs> he's going to seem like the fastest guy on the ice when he's like chasing a puck that just gumped in. But like when it comes to like you know trying to go around a guy, he's going to be also the guy dumping the puck in. So <laughs> that's as much as you need to really know about him. Other than that, two probably um, far-reaching hopefuls, uh, Anton Bleed. 
I feel like his time has come and gone. No, like, he's had his chances, right? Like, he's not going to be there, I don't think. He had a goal last year. Then we have Carson Kuhlman. He also had some bright moments, played a few playoff games. Everyone, what I didn't understand was, like, everyone's take on, like, Trent Frederick should be filling in that role. Um, I think it was when Craig Smith got hurt. And so he bumped Carson Kuhlman up to the third line and Jake Russ to the second line. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. Trent Frederick just had no offensive production at all. Carson Kuhlman, at least. Like, he's got that sort of can go around a guy. He's kind of fast, you know. But, you know, it's like you know, he almost doesn't see the ice sometimes. Uh, he had three goals last year. He had, like, you know, he, he had some bright moments in that playoff series. In, like, the, what, three games he played and started? I don't know. I don't I don't see him as much of a player, though. Especially with, like, some of the guys we got coming up. Not that we have the greatest prospect pool by any means. But we have um, Cam Hughes coming off 21 points in 25 games in Providence. And then we also have um, Zach Sinitian, who played a little bit. Don't know if I'm saying that right. But 13, 13 points in 18 games in Providence, too. Like, that's nothing like bat your eyes at, like, for a young player like him. I think he's, like, 22, 23. Like, you'll definitely get his call up. He'll get a chance. Um, but the one, the two guys that we're really, 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 really talking about that everyone knows who we're looking at is Fabian Lysel, who actually had a pretty good rookie camp. Um, I know he's... I'm filming this on a Sunday, having a pretty good rookie camp, um, and got, you know, the guy that we've all been talking about all offseason, Jack Studnika, 15 pounds added in the offseason, let's see though, he only put up 3 points in 20 games for the Bees, that was in the Bees though, he put up 7, seven points during 11 games in Providence. But, you know, he said he feels explosive out there, and, you know, he's looked really, really good in his rookie camp so far. I mean, not rookie, right, um, the, the Bruins development camp. And uh, he's got his, I think he's traveling with the team for the first um, preseason game today in uh, Washington. So that that's exciting to see. I mean, Jackson Neek is a guy that we thought might fill in a you know center role way back in August 2020 bubble playoffs um, when he had that really good, you know, um, what they call it, welcome back, I don't even know. When they had the camp for um, restarting the playoffs, he looked really good. And then he ended up playing in the against the Blues in that exhibition game. Uh, man, I think Jack Stanika will make this team if he has a good preseason. Um... But it has to be a good preseason. If not, it's going to be Coyle's second-line position. Um, actually, I think starting out, it's going to be Coyle's no matter what. But I do think Sudnika could be that fourth-line center, you know, and then work his way up. My thing about that is, like, we saw last year, like, when we just shoved Studnika into that fourth line for a couple of games, he had no production value, and it's like, because, you know, he was, like, he was skinny and fast, and it's like you're playing with the four-checkers, you know? And, like, we didn't really have that much fourth line um, production to begin with, and then Jack Sednica, you get, you can't really just toss him in there, you know. I'd prefer to see if you're gonna play Jack Sednica in the first game of the season. I prefer Cassidy to, to you know move Halla down to the fourth line and put Sednica with Felino and DeBrusque. That's my take on it. Um, 
Flores, you know, the other off. That's that's all I got for the offense. Fabian Lysel, I'll definitely, I definitely think we'll see him this year on the Bruins for a couple games. I don't see him as like you know a starter or anything. They'll, they'll do what they did with him, like they did Poshnak in 2014-2015. They'll bring him up for a couple games and hope next year that he can get a starting role, which I could see. I mean, the guy's a buzzsaw out there. He's wicked fast and he can just you know. He reminds me of like Datsuk the way he can just you know, move around people and stuff. He just he doesn't really have the size yet, but man is he good with the puck. Alrighty, I think that about wraps up the offense. Um I'm gonna take a short break and then it's not gonna seem like a break for you guys though. Podcasting. Look at that. We're learning new stuff every day. All zero of you. Um alrighty. Alrighty, getting into defense and goalies. Um, I don't know why I didn't write down the offensive stats last year. Um, probably just because they weren't that good. Defense last year, we were fifth in goals allowed and eighth in save percentage, thanks to the beautiful work done by Halak, Tuka, and Jeremy Swagman, the fellas. Um. Starting off with defense, though, nothing better can be said about Charlie McAvoy. You look at his wins above replacements last year, and he actually had the best wins above replacements, which is some stat that I don't fully understand. Um, the best out of any defenseman, and you know, I thought, I thought he was maybe, maybe, maybe the best defenseman in the league last year. Not that's just me being biased, but. He definitely deserved to be top three. Come on. Like, Victor Hedman was not good last year. Was not even close to being, you know, his best self, and he was top three. So let's get let's get things out of the way. You know, the league the league should have definitely given Charlie McAvoy the nomination. They didn't. I thought he should have gotten it. He had 30 points in 51 games. Charlie McAvoy isn't even crazy offensive, but he stepped it up. Looked so much better offensively last year. And then on top of that, defensively, he was... By far, all right. By far the best in the Bruins. I want to say the by far the best in the league, but probably not. Probably not. But you know, I watch a lot of Bruins games. It looked like he was the best defenseman out there every single game. We play in the best division, so you know, I, I here's one here's one of my takes from Charlie McAvoy that you can't really take away. You know, for the United States Olympic team, he has to be the top pair. He has to be. He's just, you know, the, he's got to be, he's one of, if not the best, American defenseman right now. And I keep on wanting to say he's the best defenseman in the league right now because, you know, he kind of is, uh, is he? I don't know. Maybe Adam Fox hasn't beat offensively, but definitely not defensively. I think Charlie McAvoy's going to have a great year. I think he can only improve. I think his ceiling is immensely high. He's going to get fucking $20 million next year. <laughs> It's going to be ridiculous how much they have to pay him. Because you look at people like Chicago, oh my god, paying Seth Jones all that money. Seth Jones sucks. And then you got Charlie McAvoy, he's only making $4.6 million. It's an RFA. Jesus Christ, we're going to have to pay him so much money. But it will all be worth it because Charlie McAvoy is the best defenseman in the league. You've heard it here first. 2021-22. Norris Trophy winner, Charlie McAvoy. Alrighty, I've rambled about him too much, but he is fucking phenomenal. Matt Grizzlick. Matt, Matt Grizzlick. 
Charlestown product, Mac Grizzly. He had a pretty good year last year, 20 points in 37 games. Um, I thought he looked really good. You know, for not having um, for not having Tory Krug, he stepped up offensively on the power play. I thought he was very good. Um, and I also thought, you know, defensively, he could he he had areas that he could improve. You know, but in the long term, throughout the regular season, I didn't see him as being a bad defenseman. It definitely showed out in like game six for the versus the Isles. Obviously, they, like got undressed to give up a breakaway. But, like, he's not bad defensively. Not by any means, you know? And he's a very fast skater. And I think the places, like, I'd want him to mostly improve would be on the power play to get even, like, you know, get to the point where Krug was. You know, is that asking too much? I don't know. Um, or to, you know, just improve on those defensive, um, those defensive flaws. But, you know... If he had the same year as last year that he did, uh, if this year he has the same year that he had last year, I'd be very happy with it because he had a great year last year, in my opinion. Um, and I think he totally stepped up as a leader on this team, and that's what we need. So, yep, Matt Grizzlick, I think, will be the top pair, possibly, with Charlie McAvoy. Um, kind of depends. You know, Cassidy's definitely said that he doesn't want to put all his eggs in one basket. So I could see Grizzlick moving down to play with Carlo because Carlo is very. Uh, Poor offensively, moving straight into Carlo. Um, he had a great year defensively. You know, he actually uh, was really good out there. Took away a part of the ice because he's just fucking huge. And he also improved a little bit offensively. But, like, from a little, I just mean, like, he improved based on his um, Corsi stats on offense. You know, from, like, 0 percentile to, like, 20th percentile on um, the JFresh stats site and you know that's a little improvement stats don't lie um, but Brandon Carlo he is suffering from concussion ailments two concussions last year including one that knocked him out of the remainder of the playoffs in game three against the Islanders and it was like bad it was you know didn't look like he hit the, the glass too hard and he was you know stumbling um, definitely a problem for the future but, you know, you can get over those concussion ailments as long as, you know, go at an extended period of time without getting um, a concussion that can inevitably you'll stop. Not not like you'll stop getting them, obviously, but, like, you know, I think maybe the Tom Wilson hit definitely maybe came back a little too early, and that's what ended up happening. I'm not sure, but, you know, concussion things, they repeat unless, you know, you go an extended period of time away from the game. And, you know, with this long off season, definitely longer than um, last year's. At least we get to see some time away, and maybe he'll come back, and, you know, I think he can be even better. Once again, he's kind of like Matt Grizzlick for me, where, like, if Brandon Carlo plays like he did last year when he was healthy, man, like, he was really good. He was 82nd in course in defensive course last year, you know? Like, when he was playing, he was good. He was good, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing Brandon Carlo out there again, and hopefully for as many games as possible. Moving right along, we got Derek Forbert. New signing for the Bruins. Um, whew. I was hoping we signed Derek Savard, honestly, in the offseason. And then we got Derek Forbert for a cheap price. But, man, is he very bad offensively. If you put him and Carlo out there together for a year, um, they'd probably score zero goals, zero assists. <laughs> 12 points in 56 games last year. 
and that was playing on like the top line of like <laughs> Winnipeg. Oh, geez, it you know uh, his course value is not very high offensively, but you know you you pair him up with someone like McAvoy. Like he was paired with McAvoy at the um, at training camp um, a couple times. I saw, and you know then that kind of balances, you know, because he's a good stand-up defenseman. He's tall. He um, he's someone that you know adds depth um, to help replace players like Kevin Miller, like Kevin uh, replace Kevin Miller. Like Kevin Miller had to be replaced once a week. But um, no offense to Kevin Miller. Kevin Miller was good when he was on the ice, but he was barely on the ice last year. Um, at etd fifty one, hated Kevin Miller on Twitter. Oh my God, you want to find a bigger Kevin Miller hater? He was like celebrating the retirement. Anyways, I'm going off on a stupid tangent. But Derek Forbert, overall, good defenseman. Doesn't know how to play offensive hockey, though, so he'd probably have to be paired up with someone like Mike Riley, moving right into it, who had the sneakiest, sneakiest 97 percentile on of offensive Corsi for the um, entire league last year. He was a 91, 91st percentile wins above replacement. Wow, like, that's, like, like Charlie McAvoy is 99, like, top 1%, but this is Mike Riley, top 10%, he's gonna pay, like, like, 2 mil a year, he played 3 quarters of the entire year on the Senators, Mike Riley was a steal, like, 3rd round draft pick for Mike Riley, and we ended up getting the 3rd round draft pick back for, um, Darth Vladar, <laughs> so, we, ba- we basically got him for free, and, um... He had this significant improvement defensively last year that just boosted him up in the wins about replacement. Like, you know, talk shit about Don Sweeney all you want. This, screw Taylor Hall's trade. This was the trade. Mike Riley is a really good defenseman. We have him for next year. We'll probably re-sign him. He's really good. And offensively, he, I, I need to see him on the power play. Like, I I know we have Grizzly out there, and we want McAvoy out there, but we need to rotate him into the power play at some point this year. Because I think, like, you know, <clears throat> McAvoy's great. Now. Or we could run a two, two defenseman. Okay, now, now I'm just talking out of my ass. Two defenseman power play. But it would be cool to see Mike Riley on the power play, you know, maybe replace Charlie McAvoy on the PP2 for a little bit. Not that McAvoy's bad or per se, on the power play, but, like, you know, Mike Riley, 97% Corsi, 97 percentile Corsi, like, come on, Cassidy, let's see him, let's see him, let's see him, I don't know, or maybe not, no denying it, though, one of the best offensive defensemen in the league, and no one knows it, so, moving right along, um, Connor Clifton, Connor Clifton, in 2021, Connor Clifton, did see some improvements. Um, Connor Clifford has been on the boy on the on the team since like 2018, I, I think before the Stanley Cup run. And um, he had seven points in 44 games with a 10 plus minus. So that's pretty good for Connor Clifton. Um, personally, um, I think you know I think he definitely played better as we went along. Uh, and he's someone who I feel like has been coming along. He hasn't been falling down. He's been coming along. And I think we're going to see him in the roster more often this year, um, for sure. I, I like Cliffy Hockey. Cliffy Hockey is good. But, you know, definitely want to see him continue to come along and continue to grow as a player. He's kind of, you know, short out there. Defensively, definitely look like he got stuck in the Isles series. So, hopefully, 
hopefully, hopefully, um, if we see some improvements. He will. He, he's definitely a great offensive player to be matched up. You know, um, as far as um, defensive ability goes, he's not as good. But you know, a th for a third line, you know, defenseman, you know, or maybe even a seventh defenseman if Cassidy decides to shake it up this year. Um, Clifton definitely fills that role pretty well. Uh, you know, he'd be kind of good to play with Forbert, honestly. Like, someone who's a stand-up defenseman who's not going to, like, you know, get caught down down ice too much. Like, Clifton, Clifton's definitely a good guy to be matched up with Forbert there on the third line. But, like, that's like, oh, we paid $4 million a year to a fourth-line defenseman. So, who knows? Who knows? Sometimes you got to wonder how much input Don Sweeney has in all these things. Anyways, anywho... Moving on to Jack Jakob Zaboro. Uh, I don't think he cracks top six, but I, I liked him last year. Not going to lie. Uh, I probably gave him a little too much hype, actually. I remember saying that I wanted to see him after Kevin Miller went down to play against the Islanders. Because he had that one game where he started as, like, the bottom, uh, the bottom, the third pair with, like, Steven Camper, I think, against the Islanders that we won um, back in, like, before, maybe it was, no, it was when we had Taylor on. Mike Riley made that really nice pass to score at the end of the first period in April when we beat the Islanders. And I was like, well, he played so good then. You know, we can't be, you know, if he played good then, why can't he play good in the playoffs? Oh, Tony, because he's a fucking rookie and it's the playoffs. And now there's fans in the stands. I don't know. I think, you know, he has a high ceiling, though. If I'm being honest, he's really big um, offensively. Not great. But uh, sneaky eight points in eighteen games in a Czech league that he's been playing in, I guess, this summer. Um, nine points in forty-two games. Yeah, I see. He played forty-two games for us last year. Like I saw a lot of him, and then we just wouldn't play him. But you know, he's young. I understand it. Playing hockey in front of no fans for a year and a half, and then all of a sudden, playoff hockey, like old-time playoff hockey, is back. Probably don't want to put a 22-year-old in that situation, but, you know, this year I think he'll come along. And so that's, yeah, that's seven defensemen. Then we have um, our two young guys, Vakaninen and Achan. Uh, I might not be saying that right. <sighs> Who cares? Um, they are looking to fill a bigger role. What is a bigger role? I don't know. Step in as depth players because on defense... We don't have a lot of depth, and that showed out last year, and, you know, we signed a defenseman. We also lost a defenseman, but the defenseman we lost was Kevin Miller, so we never had him anyways. <laughs> so, and Derek Forbert doesn't get, a, doesn't, doesn't get as many injuries as Kevin Miller, so we'll see. I'd like to see Vakanainen play a little bit more, though. I thought he was pretty good in the couple of games that he stepped up for us. Um, Achana I haven't seen enough of. Um, yeah, so that kind of about does it for defensemen. Um, wrapping up defensemen, I definitely think um, this is almost kind of like a fun, uh, fun little lineup. Mike Riley, Charlie McAvoy, top pair. I think that would be cool. You know, that way we can move Grizzly down to play with Carlo. Then them two have been together for a while, but I haven't really seen much of them. Like, when I think about it, like, uh, how much Grizzly have we really ever seen with Kylo? You know? I don't know. Maybe they play bad together. I don't, like, I think that would be cool. Um, I feel like last year we saw a lot of, uh, when we signed Mike Riley, uh, traded for Mike Riley, sorry. Uh, we saw a lot of Carlo and Mike Riley, and 
you know, I feel like you put Mike Riley with someone a little more offensively capable, and you get a you get a pretty good top pair there without sacrificing too much. And then and then on top of that, you're benef- you're you're making your second um your second pair really like you know balanced. And then you look down to the third pair, and you got Forbert and Clifton, and that's balanced too. So you I don't know, maybe it's just my strat, but like Grizzly and McAvoy, that I feel like just like makes us very top heavy as far as offense on the back end and you know probably the for the best in some ways because they're getting your most minutes but then i i definitely like this balanced idea but we'll see what cassidy does um and moving into goaltenders uh new signing linus olmark did he get this was a little bit of a surprise um and it definitely made me feel like that's why we're uh it, it's the reason for us stepping back with Jeremy Swagman. Jeremy Swayman, who I call Swagman. Um, Jeremy Swayman played really good last year, but he played only 10 games. Um, I thought, like, you know, maybe he'll just step right into that starting goaltender role while Tuka Rask is injured, and then we'll have, you know, Vladar be the backup. And then we traded Vladar, and it's like, oh, like, so we got to be signing someone. Surprisingly, we signed Linus Omar, who I thought was pretty good for Buffalo. I definitely saw a couple of games. Remember watching a Philadelphia Flyers game back when they were the ones chasing us down? I wanted to make sure they were losing. It was actually the night of the trade with the Taylor Hall. I think it was the night of the Taylor Hall trade. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but he played really good in that game. And then he ended up, um, and he basically won the game for Buffalo, which helped us out. So, yeah, he's coming off. He has a 50% wins above replacement. But, like, having that wins above replacement for, oh, like, uh, Buffalo team where you should, you know, almost be skewed towards like lower wins above replacement numbers because even an average goalie in Buffalo is probably still gonna look pretty shitty because they had no defense or offense. They had nothing last year. You know, I like Linus Olmark, and I totally understand his move. I, I heard he had an offer from Buffalo too for about the same that we had, and I'm excited to see him be our starting goaltender. I definitely think he'll get the starts over Jeremy Swayman. From what I've heard and what I've read, Swayman's being, you know, he's being brought up as the guy, and we need to, you know, make sure not to toss him into the fire too quickly. Because we already had to do that, and he definitely showed out, but, like, you know, rookie goaltender, that's a very small sample size, 10 games, you know. you know, I heard they might even want to keep him down in Providence for a little bit, like, first half of the year or so, and bring him up only if necessary, which I would totally understand, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, yeah, moving straight into Jeremy Swayman. Actually, no, let me finish up on Linus Olmark. So he had 20 games, 2.63 goals against average, and a 91.7% save percentage, which I think is really good for a Buffalo team that was just terrible, absolutely terrible. So, yeah, that's it on Linus Olmark. I'm very excited to see him because I think he's good. Jeremy Swayman, on the other hand, fantastic um, season, but, you know, small sample size, small sample size, small sample size. And I think he has a very high ceiling. He gets a lot of comparisons to Ryan Miller. 94.5 save percentage. Jeez. Very good for a rookie goaltender. Dude just didn't seem to get phased either. He had that quote about, you know, he likes actually playing in shootouts. Which, like, no goalie likes playing in shootouts because it's just unfair for the goalie. And he likes it. Which is just, you know, it's pretty rock star. Gotta love the guy. Um, Looking forward to seeing him out there. And I think he'll be the backup, if not uh, the starter in Providence. 
And finally, Tugaraska. Coming off the shaky playoffs. Someone had to say it. Uh, but he was injured. And he was obviously injured. It was like terribly obvious when Matt Barzell scored that goal um, in game five to make it 1 1 after like our greatest period of hockey to only be up 1 nothing, and then like a minute left on the. Uh, we give up a stupid penalty. Sean Corrales, I believe, actually. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Sean Corrales loved taking terrible penalties that playoff series. Anyways. He just couldn't move that left arm, it felt like. I think it was left glove, glove, whatever his glove side was. He just couldn't really move it as quickly, you know. He was definitely laboring a bit. Turns out he won't be back until January after having surgery on it. And, you know, he's got to shake off that injury because, you know, I feel like this year we, he's going to have a little bit less, you know. He's going to have, like, less room like that. I don't know. I, I don't think we can give him all that, you know. All that leeway. Like, if he's hurt, if we find out that he's hurt, it's not going to be cast. You just say, oh, he said he's ready, so he's going. Like, I think, like, in the playoffs this year, if it's Tuka's crease, but he's hurt, we're giving it to Olmarka Swayman. You know? But anyways, um, yeah, that about does it. So here's my start and lineup for this year. Uh, as far as the podcast goes, I'm going to be trying to do this once a week, checking in on the Bruins. Um... Start of the season's kind of far away, so I'm probably going to do another one after the preseason, talking about who I like. I'm going to watch some of the highlights of games that I can't watch and try to even watch a couple games. I know there's a one as a broadcast on TNT coming up against the Flyers, so I'm going to try to check that out. Um, yeah, and I'm looking really, really looking forward to this year. It's kind of a make it or break it year. You know, we have to show out again. We're definitely going to be good, but, you know, how many years do we have left with Bergeron? Um... How many years do we have left with Marshawn, you know? We got to start seeing those younger guys fill some roles. Jack Sednica, specifically, 15 pounds in the offseason. Will it make a difference, or will he just be another dud? And as far as defense goes, you know, they got to keep it up like last year. But defense, I think we're solid. I think we're solid on defense. We just need that depth. Hopefully not too many injuries. Um, yeah. And as far as goaltending, Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman for the start. Tukaras coming in later in the year. Should be good. Um, okay, here is my lineup. I like Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn with Coyle, Smith, and Hall. Halla, DeBras, Felino, and Frederick slash Danica with Nosek and Lazar. Just because I'm not really, I'm not too sold yet on Danica just because, you know, he's been, gotta, gotta show out in preseason. I think he, if he shows out in preseason, he gets the start. Easy. Um, and like I said, I don't really even like him on that fourth line role. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, then I got like Mike Riley, McAvoy, Grizzly Carlo, Forbert Clifton. Pretty obvious from what I was hinting at earlier. Um, though we'll mm, definitely could see Grizzly and McAvoy back. So who cares though? Um, either way, we're going to have a really, really good uh, lineup going into the, defensively. Offensively, it could be shaky in the bottom six. We got to make sure all these new players mold. We have three new players in the bottom six, and one that might that hasn't really played at all. If he ends up getting the start from last year, and lastly, goaltending Linus Olmark obviously getting the start over Swayman because Swayman is like 22 or 23, I think. So, and Olmark's proven, proven, and you know he's actually really good, and he, he was a good signing, I think, by Sweeney. 
Anyways, that about does it. This has been the first Beast Coast Radio. Um, hopefully that wasn't too boring sounding. I'm still getting used to talking to myself for like a half hour or however long it's been. Um, yeah, I'm using GarageBand, so I only get the seconds. I'm just not ready to divide 1400 by 60 right now. But anyways, um... Yeah, I'm looking forward to the season. Thank you, all zero of you, for listening. And I'll be back probably at the end of the preseason to discuss going into the regular season. Then I'll be trying to go once a week for the remainder of the regular season. And if we make the playoffs, I have no idea. That's that's a later problem for later me. Um, thank you for listening. Fuck you, David Backus, and... Good luck to Nick Ritchie in his game against the Maple Leafs. For the Maple Leafs.